Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week we have a guest. Another it one. Back another to guest. <laughs> um, this week we have Stephanie Gray from the Spicy Girls podcast from the band Background Character and the band Earth Program. Steph, welcome Hi. to the podcast. It's great to be here. This week we chose a couple movies that you really like, Alien and Prometheus, uh-huh. to kind of break it down some some more Ridley Scott as if we haven't done almost his entire back log (laughs) no we really just did blade runner but it's wild that alien and blade runner came they were like back-to-back movies of his there is like a big conspiracy too on how like they're technically the same universe which i will definitely link that so like that's earth at the same time or something i think there's like 150 years in between like the time frames of the film but like Blade Runner was first, and then Alien happened later on. Like Tycho became Wayland Industries, and like oh wow, <laughs> so it's like also like when you like take that into context with like the replicants and how like you know they were like, yeah not supposed to be around, and then David and you know Ash, and then it's like ooh this is cute <laughs> I, yeah I like this that is pretty cool so anyways so um why why did you choose these movies stuff. I am a huge fan of Alien and Aliens. Um, It's mostly those two movies that I am like huge fans of. We'll get into Prometheus and stuff. (laughs) 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 The later Ridley Scott stuff. But yeah, I'm just a huge fan of H.R. Giger. And like my favorite movie of all time is Aliens. So like number one favorite movie. I have like a xenomorph tattoo. I've got like all that stuff. No shit. Yeah. That's, awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I can I can post it to whatever if you'd like me to. Yes. But oh yeah. my god, I w- I really want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so like on board. I, I want to see it. it or no? You might have seen it. Yeah. Oh, okay. You might have seen it. It's pretty big. It's like on my whole like thigh. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've been like a fan ever since like I was basically a kid. Like my mom showed me Alien and Aliens. Like I must have been like nine or ten years old or something. When I saw them, like my mom, like let me watch R-rated movies, like just as long as she could pre-screen them first, which I think is the right way to, <laughs> to parents oh, when yeah, it comes yeah, to yeah. watching movies. And they freaked me out, you know, but I still love them. And I've been a horror fan ever since, basically. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, I remember watching Alien. The, the cause I don't think I've seen Alien since I was a kid. Oh, OK. Because uh, watching it that first time, so many of these moments, like obviously I remember the big diners like the dinner scene i remember them seeing the pods for the first time um i remember the the uh, escape capsule but a lot of the in-between stuff uh-huh. i don't remember at all so rewatching it i was like oh yeah no shit i don't even know how many times i've seen these movies like <laughs> the first two <laughs> i maybe i've seen aliens a hundred times i don't know i would watch it all the time when Hell i was yeah. when i was a kid it would always be on tv too so like oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. So yeah, I've seen both movies and I had like all the special edition DVDs and everything. And like, yeah, I was a fan. <laughs> so you have like all of the insider knowledge for us. Yeah, I watched all those <laughs> things. Unfortunately, <laughs> I lost the DVDs, so I couldn't rewatch the special features, but whatever. <laughs> I, I don't think I really watched these when I was a kid, I want to say, because like my household was like, 
no horror no like you know that's the devil oh no then, really oh i'm sorry and then <laughs> oh well prometheus just has like giant religious subtext awesome oh, yeah. i'm here for this <laughs> but um but i did watch them um like you know as soon as i moved out I was super rebellious and i was like oh this is cool mm-hmm. yeah. um and i never watched like any of the other films like resurrection or three or um prometheus or anything until this year and uh-huh. i was like because we're in the pandemic, whatever. Yeah. And so I like got really into it and I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but like, yeah, even though, um, like you were saying, Eric, there's so many beats in this where I was like, I know what's going to happen here, mostly because, uh, like, these films are so ingrained in like the pop culture ethos that it's oh, like, yeah. there's no surprise everybody- anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, which is great because I'm a little scaredy baby, as we talked about on the pod before. So, like, it's just like, okay, like, if yeah. there's a scary moment, I will totally like put my hands over my eyes and like just like look through, yeah. like you know, just like the yeah. yeah. But no, this was a treat. I'm really excited yeah. to talk about these. Yes, yes. Same. Yeah. I mean, it definitely like like you were saying that at least the first one, it really did set a precedent for a lot of horror. I yes, mean, it did. It's it is it's one of those. What what we'd be considered like a godfather of the genre, yeah, and and a, and a larger uh, conversation as opposed to like B movie stuff, but like fucking and, like, scary sci-fi scary space. Horror. Yeah, when it comes to sci fi <laughs> horror, when it comes to sci fi horror, it really yeah. changed that direction, especially because like aliens in movies before weren't like the xenomorph. You know what I mean? They were like more human like, sentient, like they could communicate with you, all this stuff. But like the scariest thing about the xenomorph is that it's just like a space bug. It's a space parasite yes. that lays eggs yeah. in you. And nobody ever <laughs> had that idea before. And that's and at that time, how fuck like for that it's to be so the scary. first <laughs> instance of something like this, it's fuck it's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's yeah. so terrifying. Like I mean the the Geiger designs like uh-huh. crazy, so gorgeous. Yes. Like the face hugger and like the xenomorph itself. I mean, even the sets, it's it's a really scary. It's a beautiful movie. Movie. It's beautiful. But beautiful scary. and terrifying. And like Giger, he was he was brought on, and like <laughs> you have to watch the special features from the Alien. I, I just know them from the Alien DVD that I had. <laughs> but like they interview Giger and so many of these, you know, special features, and he is just like the mo- most awesome person ever. <laughs> have you ever like yeah. seen what he looks like or anything like no, that? No, I don't think I. I don't <laughs> think I have. He is like, do you remember that SNL skit with Mike Myers called Dieter? He looks like Dieter? Kind of. I think he is partly <laughs> based. They partly probably based a little bit of Dieter on Giger. <laughs> because he, like, yeah, like he, awkward German? Pretty much. He's uh, he's a Swiss artist, Swiss German artist. Swiss. And oh, yeah, I see. I see exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I just Googled him. And, you know, he shows up to set and he's wearing like, all black and turtleneck and like black pants and he's got like this hot af like goth girlfriend with him you know what i mean and the vibe the whole vibe and he's just like (laughs) yeah we're going to do this like and all this german accent like you know what i mean it's like and his art is very sexual and it's all black and gray art you know what i mean like he doesn't do any color Mm -hmm. and there were two different artists who were designing you know Giger was in charge of Alien World and there was another artist. I think he worked on Star Wars. Don't quote me on that, but he might have. He was doing like all the human made stuff. And Ridley Scott had to be like, you got to make things look less like penises and vaginas. You just have to. (laughs) Which 
<laughs> I mean, we'll I mean, go that into is still it. Very we'll... pervasive in <laughs> everything. But yeah, yeah, we'll go into it more. But I mean, even the alien structural head. Piece exactly, itself and the original design is so had, phallic. The original design had like a mushroom tip on it. You know, like had like the knob. <laughs> Okay, so Congrats. I felt like, Amazing. I like you gotta make it look less like a penis. You have to make it look <laughs> like a penis. I wonder if they like revamped some of those designs or like brought some of those elements back for Prometheus because there were some points where I was like, that's totally a vagina. That is a hundred like the the first little alien that comes up. I was like, that's a penis. Yeah, that's totally a dick. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like it all is kind of like you know they're parasites and it's like reproduction, so it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. You know, that they would have like very sexual looking organs and parts to them. So like it just adds to oh, yeah. the kind of creepiness of the creature in a way. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. It it adds to, to sort of it, it makes something that's just generally insidious feel more lascivious. <laughs> yeah, like it feels yeah. like scarier because there is sort of a constant sexual connotation to everything visually. Yeah. That I feel like it amps the fear even more. Yeah. <laughs> Let's jump into the first one. Yeah, yeah. sure. After receiving a potential distress signal from a nearby planet, the cargo ship Nostromo diverts its course and wakes its seven-member crew. After investigating the crash site of an unknown airship, Executive Officer Kane is attacked by a bony insectoid and is brought back to the Nostromo. Warrant Officer Ripley insists on not bringing the alien life into the ship for fear of contamination, but Science Officer Ash ignores her pleas and lets them enter. Big mistake. After discovering the creature bleeds acid and disappearing from Kane's base, Kane wakes up good as new. JK, at dinner, baby Giger alien enters the chat by way of Kane's ribcage. The plan is set. Find the itty-bitty alien, launch them out of the airlock, and fly home like nothing happened. Uh-oh, the alien is humongous and soaking wet from hunger. One by one, the alien picks off the crew members until the last remaining crew member, Ripley, initiates the self-destruct of the Nostromo and narrowly escapes in her escape pod. As she and her cat Jonesy settle in for the long hibernation sleep home, oh no, the alien escaped with them. JK, she blasted it through the airlock. Screams are scrum, but since it's space, nary a scream is heard. In, in space no one can hear you scream it's honestly one of the coolest tags it like, is how terrible i thought of that is so like ugh, i couldn't I rem- think of that i remember <laughs> as, a, as, as a kid seeing like the vhs that my dad had of it just seeing the the cover of it with that tag i was like this is the scariest fucking thing i've yeah. ever seen <laughs> this is truly just the cover with the green like sort of yeah. silhouette halo I was like, it, yeah this is fucked i hate this i'm gonna <laughs> cry forever um yeah i i love alien i think it's such an incredible like a way of storytelling but also an in, like a pretty feminist structured story for the most part just in the it way it's extremely it's extremely feminist the way that they frame ripley's character and like pit all of these sort of toxic male presences around her and make them look foolish sort of based on the way that she's presented in the story i'm like this is well, really part good of the reason, part of the reason that she is presented that way too is because ripley was written originally as a male character so uh-huh. like all yeah. of all of the characters on this were written as men, but the screenwriters made a note that said, uh, quote, the crew is unisex and all parts are interchangeable for men or women. And then like the whole reason that they decided to make Ripley a woman was because the studio was like, oh, we'll get a lot of points if we do this. If, yeah. if, if we make her a woman, we'll do that. So 
part of the reason she's so strong is because she was written as a man which is cool and you know yeah. like because I feel like Sigourney Weaver does such like a great job of embodying that and I love that she doesn't even necessarily become the main character until 45 minutes into the movie one yeah. of the parts, uh, things I love about the movie is that when you first watch it you don't know who the main character is going to be like everybody's just very like like you said it's very unisex very uniform everybody's very you know what yeah. I mean like they're, they're part of a crew there's sort of a visual representation that makes me think that Ash is going to be the lead at mm-hmm. least initially, and then they kind of veer away and it becomes the Ripley show later on, which, I mean, again, I'm obsessed with. But like you are saying, yeah, it being a crew and an intentional, like, this is a group thing and that diverting from what's expected at that dinner scene when it's like, hey, he's fucked, we're fucked. Yeah. Party time. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. what else to do. <laughs> and I know they wanted to have the aesthetic of truckers in space. Like, they're not like... Really? Did you hear that? No, like they're just basically operating a ship to transport a bunch of ore. I can't remember, like some sort of mineral, some sort of like whatever across, you know, whatever the galaxy or (laughs) wherever they're going. And that's like their main job. They're just on the crew basically of like a supply ship. And the only reason they like got woken up was because of a distress signal or whatever. So they're not like scientists or really they're just like operating a ship. And that's one of the things I really liked about it, too, is these people aren't scientists. They're not fucking trained for this. And exactly. So, like, that makes sense why they, you know. There's a big difference between Prometheus and this movie, too. Yeah, because so. my notes for Prometheus are just like, what the, where's the PPE? Where is all, like, <laughs> how did they not notice that there's life yes. underneath their feet? Oh like, God. there's literally worms <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so I like, infuriating. I like the notion of working class astronauts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's exactly. very funny. That's very interesting to me. Just like, you know. Yeah. Lower middle class, whatever, just yeah, exactly. Doing it. They're blue. They're blue collar workers. Blue collar astronauts. Yeah. I also love that Ripley is like a union queen when she like <laughs> goes down. Like she's like, okay, cool. I'm gonna go talk to them. Like no problem. They're like, yeah, whatever. And they're like, look, we we want our uh, our cut. And she's like, look, by law, you have to do this. Like I exactly. I was a shop steward before, and so like she went down there and she was like, cool. This is actually what's laid down in the law. So here are your rights. Here is this. And I was like. I see you. I love you. <laughs> She's literally the coolest character. Yeah. And she was like the only one who was like, hey, don't let him on board. It's going to contaminate everything. And she, you know, nobody listens to her. Yeah. They like actively ignored her and Ash just opened the door. And then later he's like, well, I was answering to command. He's like, no, you understand that when they're off the ship, I'm in command and you still chose exactly. to ignore she me. Was, exactly. She was the one in command. Uh. That's a mutiny. She it was consistently <laughs> proves that she's like the best and most qualified without being an asshole or without like having to like uh she's like, very firm yeah but yeah without having to like resort to like those traditional power structures and power plays that we see in like you know a lot of male spaces so like it's oh yeah cool, like thinking of like how just her being a woman even though she was written as a man like completely changes this whole dynamic you know you can yeah. be firm without being a total dick yeah so exactly. yeah I also like that she like she questions literally everyone and everything around her. Like she questions um, mother when, you know, she's like, oh, she she hasn't finished deciphering the transmission. I got it. Right. And then she like she also questions Ash like the whole time. And she's like, look, why are you doing this? Why? Why did why was this a thing? Right. And yeah, um, she's also the first she's the first to step up in any situation too. like 
they're like, okay, who's going to be the one to go in the van? She's like, I am me. Mm-hmm. I'll, yeah. go, I'll go up like yeah just let me go that's fine and they're like no let's talk about it she's like why <laughs> like I said I'd go like the, let me just do it and even like even again in the face of all of this constant like gaslighting and adversity where like she's bringing it up to the other guy about like how she distrusts Ash she's like hey I don't think I trust him and then his response is yeah well I don't trust anybody just like completely diminishing her perspective, completely shutting her down with some literally of zero substance response just yeah. to shut her up. And it's like, yeah. even through that, she's still just like, yeah, whatever. I do this every day. This sucks. But like, I'm going to at least be consistent, even in spite of all of these shitty people. Was that Dallas? I can't remember. Yeah, I that's Dallas. Yeah. That was Dallas. Yeah, that was yeah. Dallas. Yeah. Every line out of his mouth was like, basically, <laughs> I'm just doing this. This is just my job. Okay. Like, all I do is run the I ship. Drive I the can't ship. do anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. what do you ta- like? And he has to ask mother for permission for anything. And I'm just like, oh my God, you suck. Like you are like the worst, like you're the quintessential middle manager. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> I do want to bring up, there was uh so you know the scene when Ash uh, is attacking Ripley with the magazine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Did you guys notice the back wall behind yes. when this is happening where it's like the pornographic yeah. uh, uh-huh. cutouts? But then above that were cutout pictures of eggs. Really? Yes. Like breakfast eggs, like over easy eggs. <laughs> like above funny. that. So like in this terrifying moment of like male dominance and male like violence, it's like highlighted by the sexual nature of the visual. But then above that, it's like reiterating this like pregnancy, rebirth, like just procreating yeah. visual it was it, it like i mean obviously the whole scenario is super irksome and gross but like seeing pictures of eggs above like nude women above this like act of violence it was while he's like shoving something in her mouth right like yeah, yeah. So like it's, a magazine it's all of these things like wrapped up in one which i mean i think Pro- I mean probably all of that's intentional just to be really fucking jarring like yeah because mm-hmm. that whole scene is super gross and like even when they try to jump on him and he's just like super strong and i mean i think this is the first time is this the first time they're realizing that he's a android because he's bleeding he's a uh, sweating milk yeah <laughs> my favorite yeah in all it's the mother's alien milk. movies they have uh, like yeah. milk blood milk yeah. blood in the robots i <laughs> am obsessed with the milk blood moment especially in resurrection with uh winona <laughs> um <laughs> Very, very, very fun. But yes, <laughs> the whole the whole milk motif as like the blood I thought was I just I loved it. Um, I was gonna also bring up the uh, I feel like a lot of these movies, or at least in the last one we got this, and I think in Blade Runner we also get this the uh, early computer graphic as like the exposition motif, where there's a whole scene dedicated to somebody sitting in front of a computer typing this bad thing is happening. The computer responding, yes, it is. Yep. Then them being like, will we survive this? The computer being like, probably not. And then <laughs> they move past it. I mean, it was in this one, in the thing, it was very similar where they're like on the computer, like what's happening here, blah, blah, blah. I think in Blade Runner, similarly with like the enhanced moments, he's like asking questions and the whole replicant test and all that stuff. Same thing I in d- The Fly too. Oh, in right. The fly, yeah. It's like what happened, like you were combined with The Fly's DNA. Yes. <laughs> if you're going to die. It's literally, it's like one of the funniest things for me for these early computing systems to be like 
the segue or like the exposition scene. Like you can be as vague elsewhere as you need to be. But exactly. then we we get a minute with the computer. The computer's like, I know everything. And now you do too. <laughs> and it's like, cool, we can go to the- Even though it's fucking- like early, like, <laughs> it's like all in DOS or whatever. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Which to some degree, and maybe, I mean, I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but it makes it more menacing uh, to me. Like an early computing system, the way it's so loud and jarring, like, like yeah. just that ambient and emotionless sound that just is so, I mean, because sound is such a big thing in horror yeah. for yeah. it to be a silent room and that just to be like the doom text, the sound of that computer is ingrained in my mind as scary. Yeah, <laughs> it is pretty scary. Even still for as scary as this movie is where you're like just looking through corridors and there's way too much fog for some reason. And you just hear like a little click clack or like a <laughs> or like a drip of something. And you're like, oh, great. I'm yeah. dead. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. cool. Yeah. Just going to go yeah. die now. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you're like, you know what, alien? I can don't even worry about it. I got it. You can just go do your thing. I don't need to get bitten today. I'm fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't understand how Ripley is such a badass. And like the whole time, just like keeps her cool and like you could tell she's scared but she oh, is yeah. calm and she fucking handles all of the shit and even like she's crying as she's like you know trying to like get the ship to um to not self-destruct and everything but like no matter what she still is okay and doesn't give up and i'm just like i would probably have uh, been more like lambert right <laughs> like oh that's my God. probably oh, where yeah. I, that's where i would be <laughs> my favorite part of the movie is the end when she's like in the escape pod and she's definitely like, she really conveys how much fear she's in and you can feel it. And I don't blame her because it's like, she thinks she's in the clear. And then all of a sudden it's like aliens in the escape pod. And then she's watching it from the other side of the pod. Like, you know how you watch a spider on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> when you want to kill the spider, but the minute you take your eyes off of it, it's going to like move and yeah. disappear so it's like it's just so scary but the way she did get rid of the alien was genius like she's just the best like female horror movie character or at least oh, yeah. like, the first best one <laughs> well i mean even even moving forward in the franchise i mean the get away from her you bitch is such an iconic <laughs> moment of just, like, it is history. It's, it's a silly it's so silly i love it i laugh every time <sighs> i hear it yes i love it yeah you know same. I mean? it's like one of those 80s action movie one-liners yes. that is so like amazing but it's like it's her great. in that full crane suit the crane suit by itself is just incredible but her yeah. just like swinging her arm being like you get away from her and you're just like yes you get away from her <laughs> go away yeah. <laughs> i believe this uh, but like t- to your point about that the acting in that last scene her again not taking her eyes and like getting into the suit that she has to get into like constant it's just like she's singing she's to trembling. herself yes yeah it's she's so trying scary to calm herself down yeah because you know exactly where it is, and it's like keeps it keeps cutting from her face to the exact spot, and you're just like, this sucks. Yeah. And I mean, I'm really happy that she put the cat in the bed. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. if she yeah. if she had if she hadn't she done anything with Jonesy, yeah, that cat, she did. <laughs> Jonesy is safe with Ripley because even when she got on the thing, it was like, oh yeah, put the kitty to sleep. Like when you get home, it's gonna be great. And then as soon as the alien was there, I was like, where's the cat? What'd she do? What happened? Make sure. And then I remembered, okay, cool. The cat's in the bed. The cat's safe. Yep. Good. Cat's in hypersleep. When Ripley's I was doing so my research for this, I like <laughs> one of the things I researched, I was like, what's the cat supposed to represent? Right. And <laughs> like, and I went down all the theories and like one of them is that the cat and the xenomorph are in cahoots because Jonesy is at every death scene. 
And so oh. he's like kind of like leading them. And I was like, this is bananas and wild. And I love that somebody took the time to write this down. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, Jonesy just like watches and is like, is, uh, I forget the name of the character, but the first one to die by the actual alien, you know what I mean? In the yeah. movie, I can't. Oh, but he's just the... like watching, like, hmm, oh, yeah, yeah, he's getting murdered. <laughs> oh, that whole scene is so good when he walks into the room and like the the raindrops are hitting his face, and he like you can hear it pitter pattering off his hat, and then you see it on his yeah. face. It's just it's gorgeous, and then the rustling of the chains. Like, I do remember as a kid this whole scene because it scared me so fucking bad. Yeah. It's it's also like a lot of horror movies will languish in the violence of it. And this scene doesn't do any of that. Like, it's just you see it. He's scared. Aliens like and like tongue mouth out. And then you hear like a brief scream. And then it's just a close up of the cat and it's over. And I remember the fact that it hardly shows anything was even more scary to me as a kid. Like, nope, that's fucked. That's real. And I can't do this for like 10 minutes on that. Yeah. It yeah. felt like, you know, like you're sitting there and nothing's happening. It's very atmospheric. It's all about building tension. Yeah. It's a uh, claustrophobic. That's oh another my thing. God. Like anything that's like, you're just like in this small space and you only have like so many places that you can go. Like it's, and yeah, the fact that you don't see the alien too much does make it more mysterious and then therefore makes it more scary. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So like, that's another thing like where, and I'll get into it when you get into Prometheus. It's like, I kind of like the fact that the alien is mysterious. Yeah. Because it does make it more scary. Oh, yeah. And to me, it's like the backstory to me, having this whole thing <laughs> completely unnecessary. I feel you like know what I mean? we also didn't, yeah, we didn't need any of that. We didn't really need to see what happened. Like not seeing what happened with the bodies was also like uh, great. Because like, I know that there's like a four hour version of this movie like yeah. that Ridley Scott has, right? Uh, that hasn't been released. But one of them, like in uh, when Ripley's running away um, and going to the shuttle. She sees Dallas, doesn't she? Yeah, so yeah. she sees them cocooned, right? And they they ended up cutting it because they felt like mm-hmm. it was, um, you know. It, it didn't took, feel right, yeah. It took away it from her good escape. slow, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like, I'm glad that we didn't see any of that because that's also one of the things that makes it so terrifying. In addition to like, you know, it, it's just that like that mystery and like the way that everything is shot um, and like the sound design too, because like even from like the very first shot of this film, like the camera's moving around this empty spaceship, like it's alive. Like there is something alive here. Right. Oh, and then yeah. throughout the whole film too, like it goes back between moments of stillness and like running and like, uh, to me, the way that it was shot felt like, it wanted to remind you that these are real people and like, yeah. you know, and like, you know, bring you back to the humanity of, uh, of these people uh, dealing with, you know, violence and capitalism and how those intertwine. And then like, there's also moments where like, all you can hear is like a faint heartbeat. Right. And like in, in those like tense moments, like you're saying with like, you know, the rain. On the, the hat the, and stuff. Yeah. In that yeah. scene for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, add, add, adding to the element that you were saying where they tried to make it look like the ship was alive. I mean, look at the way the interior of the ship looks. It's like a bunch of like leather ridges. Everything's wet. It kind of reminds, it makes you look like you're inside like an intestine because it's so small. I everything's ridged. And it's like these endless like corridors that sort of weave back and forth from one another. I mean, the only time where that's, that isn't the case is like the dining hall. Or the or the birthing room where they wake up from hypersleep or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
And I, I think the echoing of the design of the Xenomorph itself with the interior of the ship adds an element of sinisterness just because it feels inescapable, right? Like, not only is it, you're, it looks like you're inside this endless body, but it could potentially be the body of the thing you're afraid of the most, which is this alien. Yeah. Possibly, right? <laughs> oh, it's so gross. Like, going along with like that and like, you know, the alien being a metaphor for like rape and trauma and violence yeah. and stuff, right? Like yeah. just like, I couldn't help but think about the alien as like a metaphor for trauma, especially in the scene that we were talking about earlier where uh, Ripley is like, uh, in the escape pod watching it while she's like you know putting on the spacesuit and stuff like the alien is born in uh like i want to go back to the planet really quick the planet itself is an incredibly violent area right where uh, oh, yeah. the weather is absolutely like terrifying and the sh- the rocks are just completely jagged to the point to where the ship tries to land and it fucking breaks because yeah. the like it's such like uh an awful planet right and then <laughs> like and then no i was i was gonna say you can say bakersfield it's fine oh my god oh my god can i but yeah so it's like it's born out of like out of violence and then it like there's like no consent for it and then it literally like destroys you like from the inside out and changes and grows over time right Mm -hmm. so the alien starts as the the face hugger, right? And then it goes to the chest burster and then it goes to the xenomorph. And every time it's just more and more terrifying and it grows bigger and bigger. And even when like the way that trauma works, right? Is like, even when you think you've found a a safe place to hide, it'll come back when you least expect it, right? Mm -hmm. And like, so for me, that final scene with Ripley, especially um, where she's like, cool, she finally lets down her hair. She like feels safe. And then- to find it there it, it was just like just so hard and she she got it out and it's still even after being shot with a fucking harpoon and blown yeah. out into space like it's still trying it's to still try to itself, get back in yeah right uh-huh. and yeah. like you know and they they mention it you know that you can never kill it right like the these these beings can't be killed all you can do is just distance yourself from it right and so that's why like at the end you know she like nukes it with the um fester right and then it's supposed to be dead but we know that it's not we know that it it just lives on because they they have that line earlier that talks about how it always evolves to adapt to its climate right so so it's just gonna live in space until literally all she can do is that that will always exist and that will always be there and all like all she can do is just distance herself from it you know, yeah. and so like in that moment, you know, she's using these coping skills where she's putting on her armor, she's you know, gearing up to face this trauma, and she's, you know, singing a song, you know, like you're my lucky star, and you know, all these things that you learn in therapy. Hi. But um, <laughs> so for me, like watching that this time around was like, oh, I, I like this a lot more. Now. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more with like just, I mean, on top of what we were discussing earlier about like the phallic. Uh, visuals and so this sort of character kind of being like this big scary phallus yeah that's like running around (laughs) abusing all of these characters um for that to be sort of the the running theme as far as like reiterative trauma or or the 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 reintroduction of trauma when you you feel like you've gotten to a, a better place or another level um it's great i mean it's fuck it 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 amplifies violence cyclical violence is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it just makes it, it goes from just like sort of a body horror to a, like a 
mental horror sort of situation. Yeah. Because of that element. I wonder if uh, Giger had that in mind when he was designing it as like, oh, this giant phallus, like it being like intimidating in that way or threatening in that way. Oh, probably. Like, I don't know I, if that was like in his head or if, he, you know, it's like <laughs> a, ha- a happy accident. Happy accidents. Yeah. Because yes. I'm wondering- it was just funny because like in like once again, I'm going back to those special features or whatever with Giger. But like he he's a very car- he's a big caricature of like in his in himself you know what i mean and he like embraces yeah. it but i don't think he takes it too seriously because there's literally like a scene where he's being interviewed and he's oh my god it's so funny he is sitting like in a dark room obviously black turtleneck <laughs> he's holding a naked cat like a sphinx incredible cat, it. and he's saying stuff like oh no i don't i don't they were asking like do you ever go out in the daylight and he's like, no, I, I much, I much prefer the dark. I don't like the like stuff like that. And but then he's like talking about like the sexual nature of his art. But then he just is like, yeah, it looks like a penis. Ha 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 ha. Like he's like giggling about it, and it's really funny. Like he doesn't take it. Like I don't know if it's just funny to him. It probably is multiple layers. Things can be like you know amusing and also have like you know oh yeah behind it. But like. He's just amazing. Like, I love him so much. I mean, also just being in these, like, uh, interviews with, like, very serious people and just saying yes. penis, you know, like. <laughs> oh, it looks very yeah. sexual, yeah. What a vibe. <laughs> yeah, because, again, you can, like, I'm sure he has some, like, heavy emotional symbolism in exactly. some of his art. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's a wiener. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. wiener. It is uh, a wiener. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder, too, just in general, as far as, like, that element of it sort of like that phallic violence motif Uh that is sort of perpetuated through the movie if it would have worked in the same way with like say if ripley was cast as a man or if it was an all-male cast because that element could have been read as a like a fear of homosexuality (laughs) idea right if it was an all-male cast and there was this phallic running around killing them it could have been you know what i mean but i mean because the story is so centered on ripley i do I do like the reading more as what we've just discussed, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I honestly didn't even think about his head looking like that until you brought it up earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then not only his head looking like that, but then the the double mouth, like the inside mouth. Yeah. The tentacle, too. Oh, ew. Yeah. The tail or whatever. Like when the tail, like, goes and, like, goes to, like, penetrate Ripley. Like, it's... Yes. Did you guys know, you might know Steph, uh, but Lambert is actually trans. Oh, no, I didn't story. hear that. So Ridley Scott was like super famous for not really giving the actors a lot to go with. Like, so just like, yeah, no, go for it. And then when they would ask him for like, uh, for more information, like he would give them like a dossier or something or give them a bio. And uh, Lambert's was that uh, she was born male, but at a young age, her parents decided to change her gender to female. And I didn't read that until afterwards but I now I'm also wondering like how would that have changed my perspective on this and on on her I mean she's not in it a lot but like every every time we see it like she's afraid you know she's terrified yeah you know and then like talking about violence and trauma and all of that like the next time I watch it I want to keep that like in the back of my mind and like you know focus on on them a little bit more because that is how this actor played the character which you know is well, I do, I, just from like a story perspective i do like that notion in the sense that 
I mean, even if she isn't uh, like canonically trans within the story, but just the, like the crew of what would be considered like the final girls in this movie is all of the non-cis straight white men. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because like, it's Lambert and, oh, what's, I can't remember. Uh, the, um, it's the Lambert, black Parker, guys. Lambert Park- Parker, and Ripley. Parker? Yeah, it's Parker. Um, and so for me, I like seeing that at the, I was just like, oh, I really like that. Because more often than not, I mean, most horror movies, especially of the time, mm-hmm. if there was sort of a token character of color, they more yeah. often than not were the first act a death and you're yeah like, oh, that's okay, always great. been that's cool. always been like a joke and horror you know yeah 100 like, oh. so i i i like that that was the exact opposite in this movie for yeah, sure same but it's just a bunch of white dudes making really dumb decisions because they have like this uh blind confidence you know what i mean truly it's just it's like, like that's they're, what they're constantly the problem with a yeah. lot of of leadership really yeah. in general yeah cuz cuz yeah. even after being constantly presented with the truth or like this the the fact of the matter is constantly being presented to them by Ripley at every moment yeah. where it's like don't do that or we're going to die we're going to do it anyways okay hey i distrust this character this character is probably bad they're acting evil you're you're stupid shut up like all of these moments and then it's I mean, all of those characters just driven by that blind confidence yeah. is blind sort of what just confidence. kills them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. which I love. I love that, that that is ultimately the reason they die yeah. is, mm-hmm. is that blind straight cis male confidence, straight white <laughs> cis male confidence of just going through. It's like, yeah, whatever. It's, it's like, all going to work out. I don't, I don't know the term. for. There is a word for it. It's like unsubstantiated confidence. What's the word? I can't. I, I mean, guess that, that makes good. sense, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. that sounds it's great. Like confidence <laughs> for no reason. Like you, you shouldn't be confident, but you are just because you're. Oh, a man. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about capitalism in this movie? Yes. Yeah. And in aliens as well. Yeah. It, so. That comes up in aliens more than this movie, I think. I think uh, it's super interesting because this is like kind of like capitalism light. Right. So like, you know, we, we've already covered it's like seven like truckers essentially in Mm -hmm. hypersleep like they're like traveling for like two years or something with 20 million pounds of like mineral ore so just these seven people right are like responsible for all of this but like then capitalism is willing to like abandon that to go for the alien who it considers like this perfect organism because it cannot be killed and it admires What's the word like Ash says he admires its purity because it's unclouded by conscious or delusions of morality. And I yeah. Know, oh, yeah. that is such a capitalist. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is such a capitalist line. And I love this. Yeah. yeah. But the mother was like, oh, well, the main objective for this is to bring back the specimen alive, regardless of the crew. You know, that's like literally. Yeah. Yeah. Truly capitalistic. And then even after, you know, so Ripley is the sole survivor. She she nukes the ship full of the 70 whatever million pounds of ore and in aliens in the second one the first thing they do is pretty much take her on trial for it like why did you destroy the ship mm-hmm. and then they like kind of ruin her life after that they're like you, you should they took away her pilot's license she like just because she's like look there was an alien killing everybody we don't care you destroyed our property like yeah that's it your your life again to just reiterate your life does not matter your labor is what matters and yeah. that's it and you destroyed 
our income essentially for exactly. whatever purpose so and then literally mm-hmm. in all of these movies they just use her in alien one through four right like she <laughs> like she can't escape capitalism even in death and yeah like just in this one specifically i think it's really interesting that like capitalism is being led by the machines right by um by mother and by um by ash ash yeah um and even like the the one human that's kind of like you know the capital the middle manager guy um god dallas that's dallas yeah he you can he has like these moments of humanity right that we don't see from mother or ash i it's really interesting that like you know, capitalism is a machine, right? And uh, we're part of it and we interact with it, but like true capitalism is like, is embodied by literal machines in this film. Oh yeah. yeah. I feel like, again, as an adult, like watching this, I feel like there is so much being said that I completely missed as a kid. You know what I mean? And and, and the capitalist, the capitalism narrative is is one of them. But yeah, I think I think like overall as just a general conversation about capitalism. And I mean even in Prometheus, the the notion of capital being more important than yeah. life or discovery or what have you, which we'll get into um yeah. momentarily, but I like that this movie really does set a precedent for tone for it's it's it is a groundbreaking movie. It's really fucking good. It's a really good and important movie. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was revolutionary at its time, yeah. and I even mean, still today it holds up. Like it does. Like you're yeah. saying, like even the special effects and everything, even like the pacing and like, it's such a treat to go back and watch like these kind of films because it's almost fifty years old. Yeah, it's and like, it's so incredible. Wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, no, seventy nine. I mean, it's like forty two years. I can't do math. Forty two years old, but it will be fifty. Like, and it'll still be hold, it'll still yeah. Hold, yeah. hold up better than some movies today like in terms yeah. of special effects you know like and also just how fucking cool is Sigourney Weaver just I mean I know we've like talked so yeah. much about how great Ripley is as a character but Sigourney Weaver as an actor yeah just, there would be no there's no other Ripley nobody could be Ripley no she's Ripley she's Ripley mm-hmm. yeah. um, she's believe Ripley. it or not and, uh, she's Ripley. she had never been in a movie before this she was only um she was a stage Wait, really before uh-huh this was her first movie Oh wow. shit! She only did some stage work before this, and that was it. So God, I mean, and I do I, love like I, when I was watching this, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder what life was like for Sigourney Weaver at this time, like, because <laughs> again, like being such a pivotal moment in cinema and also being the lead character, like, of this movie like for somebody who'd again never done a single movie i'm like i wonder what the, she, those two yeah years she must like. have had a bomb ass audition she must have right? crushed Ugh. that audition you know Good but also her. it's like this was like like we talked about before one of the first like very feminist horror movies and i mean horror is considered like i don't know by everybody but i've read um multiple articles where it's like the most feminist genre of all genres of film and I think it started with this movie, like, and of course, like there's movies in the eighties, like, you know, those teen slasher movies where it's all about like, you know, tits and, and, you know, just like, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, nowadays it's like most horror movies have female leads or just like female characters that are interesting and very like, yeah. kind of started with this one. And it's also like the thing I like about alien and aliens and all pretty much the alien movies is that 
they all pretty much have female lead characters and it's not like that i i get really like annoyed with that like hollywood feminism kind of like you're on the right podcast yeah (laughs) yeah it's like i mean like like girl boss feminism exactly and it's like oh like like in marvel or whatever it's like look women women are badass look (laughs) you know like look at me you know what i mean it's like it's just so seamless it's so seamless she's just a badass you know what i mean gender isn't an issue really she's just awesome it's not a it's not a target t-shirt that says women are power or women equal power exactly Uh, yeah so It's not self-congratulatory in any way. Exactly. It doesn't like it doesn't go out of its way to remind us that she's a woman or it doesn't it also doesn't go out of its way to try to be like groundbreaking or to try to teach us anything where she's yeah. just yeah. accepted for being a woman and you know she's not challenged because of her uh because of her gender or anything. She's like she is just a person on the crew that people are disrespecting and it has nothing to do with her being a woman. You maybe know? it does though. I don't know. Like maybe they don't take her seriously. Because I think she you just don't take anybody seriously. Like, <laughs> I with, guess maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah. Because like uh, like Brett and Parker, right? Their gripe is just that they're worried about getting paid and that nobody cares about them, right? And then yeah. Yeah. the only other person that like disobeys her or like tries to challenge her is Ash, and that just has to do with the fact that she's asking too many questions and he's pissed. True, you know. But it's never it's never you're a woman and you are the weaker sex. Like her her authority, like. Her as a woman is not on display. She just is a person. And that's yeah. that's what's really good about like a good sci-fi. It doesn't go out of its way and good or just good storytelling in general. It doesn't go out of its way to have to over feminize the character or to be like, yeah, very see, true. I'm a woman. I can do this too. You know? Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah um, exactly. It, and it doesn't like, because a lot of the time, like that just feels self-congratulatory and that feels repressive because like, look, we get it. Everybody should everybody is equal why are you still trying to show us that like these these worlds still exist especially like 200 years in the future like it really <laughs> yeah, exactly when that exists in sci-fi but yeah um, but yeah so i don't think that that's ever on display here in the way that it is in 95 percent of other movies you're right yeah. yes i yes. mean i will only argue the dallas moment because i do think that that was misogyny in, in like it seemed just, like yeah. it like he's yeah. just okay. like yeah. he rolls his eyes like yeah. he's like that one's that I don't one's very clear it. she even like closes the door so he stops walking away from her you know yes. like he's like she's yeah. like listen to me stop walking away and he's like rolling his eyes yeah. i don't want to hear it like it's it, yeah the ash moment 100 percent was like oh i don't want you finding out what i'm doing and it he's has a robot do with, I don't and he's a robot he yeah he has internalized misogyny yeah i mean <laughs> they could embed that in ai they could, I embed mean, it. Yeah, they could program men. that you know you could do anything it's a shitty, robot <laughs> shitty men are creating a they system just, of like, misogyny in, in they ai could, like, for put sure it in his programming women you know they, yeah, they're emotional <laughs> like just everything they say just kind of be like well they yeah they're emotional some like some (laughs) some asshole wrote that code jesus christ that's so silly but yeah i think the ash the ash moment 100 percent is just like he doesn't want to get caught but dallas is just an asshole who's like oh i hate that this woman is in charge of me to some degree i hate that she's talking to me oh i i hear what you're saying yeah i i think that he's just kind of like that with everybody like he disregards everybody and he doesn't give a shit about anybody the only person that he shows any sort of respect to is ash and that's only because 
of mother, right? That's because like, that's his direction. But like, I think in general, yeah. he's just kind of a loner because yeah. he's the company man, right? And so he can't. He, yeah. And we haven't seen his interactions with other people, really, <laughs> you know? So you know what? Yeah, like... you're, you're totally right. Yeah, I think he, he just generally is an asshole. He's just an um, asshole. Yeah. We don't it's just it is it is just asshole. hard as a viewer to dis <laughs> di, di, to disassociate the internalized misogyny of a lot of these sort of male characters yeah, in almost yeah. any movie. So a moment yeah. where he's making Ripley shut up, I'm like, oh fuck this asshole yeah. misogynist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like but, I feel like if if the roles were switched, he would still act the same way. Like let's say if the the person that got the face hugger, right? If that person and Ripley were switched, I feel like he would have. Uh, like their genders are switched, I feel like he would have had the exact same reaction because, yeah. But, it's a crew but I do, yeah, but I, you're right, Eric, because like there is so much internalized misogyny and this is, that is such a, such a thing that we see all the fucking time that be, even without context, like yeah. our brain automatically goes there because that's the context. That's, that's our own internalized misogyny, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like being projected onto this film. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Do you guys want to talk about Prometheus? Yeah, sure. let's burn it. Okay. Four years after the discovery of a star map in a Scottish cave, archaeologists Elizabeth Shaw and Charlie Holloway set forth on the Prometheus vessel in a Highland Industry-sponsored mission to moon LV-223. Accompanied by various archaeologists, linguists, and scientists, as well as resident android David and mission director Meredith Vickers, they land on this new planet. What's this? They discover a dome structure that houses alien corpses and V-cute historic movie projectors. As the storm approaches, they take an alien head, David steals a poison pod, and they head back to the ship. Oh no, two of the archaeologists haven't made it back and are trapped in the big dome. Hope they don't get gulped by the local wildlife. JK, they do. After analyzing the head, they discover that it matches human DNA, meaning they found their creators. Meanwhile, David poisons Crawford with some of the alien juice he stole and subsequently impregnates Holloway, and they collectively go on a rescue mission for the missing crew. What? Peter Wayland is actually not dead and using David to quietly sabotage the mission so he could ask his makers to give him more life? And what else? The dome houses the ship with literal death that's aimed at Earth and is being piloted by said creator who hates humankind, and now Prometheus must be sacrificed by crashing into the alien ship to ensure the safety of humankind back on Earth? Yes. Also, there is some cesarean alien birthing, face-hugging, and enlivening of the Giger alien that we all know and love. Screams are scrum, but since it's space, nary a scream is heard. Okay, so Prometheus... Uh, general vibes. This whole thing is just science versus religion. And I have so many questions for God. And why does God hate thee? And why did you abandon us? Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to go on the record as saying um, one of my least favorite tropes in a lot of science fiction is science versus religion. Yeah. Um, because so I, I also took a science fiction literature class and like basically everything that we read came down to this question, especially in early science fiction of science versus religion. So this whole thing just felt very fucking old to me because it didn't feel like it was doing anything new. Yeah. Um, and the only interesting part of this whole this whole movie for me was David. I guess so. Yeah. See, but David is the uh, in the Bible, isn't he the um, like the destructor kind of as well? God. I 
I vaguely remember that, but I I'm not sure. even that's biblical. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> so like the angel David. So oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. It's all. Yeah. And well, I thought, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say you had mentioned something about Ridley Scott being like a born again Christian. I was wrong about that. I was I, probably I don't, but, but I, you could have honestly fooled me with this movie <laughs> yes. to some, to some well, degree at least. It is, I mean, obviously it is extremely biblical. It doesn't yeah. really, it talks about our engineers or whatever, but it doesn't say where the engineers come from. And then they, at the end, they're like, well, where did they come from? And then they're going to go find that out. Like it's a never ending search for where we came from. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, is it really like, I mean, it's, it's worth it to, to go and try to find out, like, you know, answer these questions about where we came from, but it's just, they still didn't even find the answer. You know I, what I mean? Ridley oh, yeah. Scott is on the record as saying how he considered including a plot point revealing that Jesus was an engineer. I did read that. And that the yes. crucifixion is what caused the engineers to turn on humanity because they also, so, but he left it as like sub, 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 subtext because like the disaster that destroyed the engineers happened 2000 years ago, yep. which mm-hmm. like also lines up with the crucifixion of Jesus, if you believe mm-hmm. in that. And then like, there's also like, when you look at it, there's like, you know, Shah's unshakable belief in God, um, the virgin alien birth. This all also takes place during Christmas, right? So there's like, there's so many things and so many parallels. And then like all of my notes for the characters too are like, David is like the absence of faith and a soul. And like Shah is obviously the true believer. And also there's a lot to say about fucking uh, reproductive uh, bullshit here and men wanting to control women's bodies and abortion and all of that. So I'm excited to get into that. But yeah, this I, um, this was all intentional. I would have fucking screamed if he had left that in. I would have been so excited. That would have been so fucking funny. I would have loved it. I if If there was a scene of one of these engineers being crucified... <laughs> I would have fucking, I honestly, 10, 25 out of 10 would have been obsessed. Cult favorite. Really? Are you I would, because to me, that's like this, this movie on, on just like a base level. I do like this movie. I do think it's kind of silly at times. <laughs> that's my own thing. But if, because to me, doubling down on this concept of like science versus religion or sort of like faith versus uh, evidence, you know, that whole conversation that is like the crux of this movie. If that were to have then been compounded with a literal, oh no, Jesus was oh one God. of these characters seen, I would have, I'm like, okay, this is, this movie's canonically gay. Sorry. <laughs> this movie's gay now. That's just it. Like it's, it's too much. It's over. It's, oh, it's off the rails. Somebody fucking put it in a museum. It's done. We got it. <laughs> we did it. Because that, that, that well, would have been crazy. That would have been a crazy thing to add to this movie. Like, could you imagine if that like, if Jesus was if, canonically like, a okay, part of the alien universe? Like... <laughs> and the alien. Oh my god. No. And Jesus was an alien. Like, how amazing! I honestly, I would. I'm now. I'm mad that this movie doesn't have that. <laughs> how fucking cool would that have been? Are you kidding me? That would have been the fucking coolest thing in the world. I think it would have been, it would have made it, yeah, more interesting. But I don't know, to me, like, I'm just like such a very, I'm so like atheistic that it would be like, it would just be so silly. Like, it's just too silly. But also (laughs) shitting on the 
it's shitting on faith even more with that. So I'm just yeah. like, ooh, that's cute. Like, okay, you want to go meet your God. Your God fucking hates you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, also- I mean, I do, I do kind of like that idea. Same. And that, that was one <laughs> that that's one of the parts that I liked the most was like because the general conversation of it was like this blind faith of hers versus this sort of like evidence based well, what is being represented as like soulless science. Uh, in this capacity of just like, we must meet them, we must know the true meaning of life. And she's like, well, I believe in God, whatever. Despite if this is like what would be considered our engineers or the create the creators, what have you, she still believes in this faith. I do like that when they get there, this God character is like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. Head chop. Just throw, yeah. throw. <laughs> I'm trying to get the fuck out of here so I can go kill the rest of you. And you're like, yeah, wait, exactly. God, stop. You <laughs> no. were a failed experiment, basically. Yeah. I mean, oh. that's basically... It's, oh, you're what still alive? Yeah. Shit. Let yeah. me go finish this. And you're like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> no, go back to sleep. Go back to bed. <laughs> and I Just like back that to sleep. <laughs> all of this was like based on, like this whole film is based on her inference uh, in the subtext of what these cave paintings mean and what of, yeah. of these like, you know, um, stone tablets and things like that. Like, oh, they want us to come find them. Wow. What a fucking jump. You know, like. <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> like that's what that means. That's like, but it's also just such a cliche in these kind of movies too. It's like, oh, oh, look in all these cave paintings. There's one in Peru. There's one in Egypt. There's one in India. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like all the same thing. I don't know. There's a lot of action sci-fi movie cliches in this movie that make yeah. me laugh a lot, <laughs> and that's definitely one of them. It's like, okay, so then that means we got to go find some sort of whatever, like. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, on the I, other side of the galaxy. I will, so I did watch before before watching this. Um, Eric had pointed out that there were like some short films that they made with the movie. Oh, okay. I watched. I watched a couple of them. One was like the introduction to David as a character, which oh, okay was kind of terrifying because there is a scene where like there it's it's supposed to be like a product commercial for the David model, and he's kind of talking about like who he is as a as a product and what have you. And it's a scene where he's staring directly at the camera, full tears are streaming down his face. And the 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 narrator kind of just asks him, like, how does this make you feel? And he says, I can't. Aww. But he's literally crying, but his yeah. face is showing no emotion apart from the tears. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's so dissociative and fucked up. So for me, I was like, oh, that's a really cool, like, introduction to this, like, obviously insidious character. But then there's another one it's supposed to be a Ted talk with um, Wayland in 2023 of him talking about like the development of uh, Wayland industries. And, and um, it's, it's a really nice, like he talks about that scene in Lawrence of Arabia that uh, David's watching where he like puts out the fire and he's, it's like this whole it's, it adds to the element and conversation of like capitalism and sort of ego driven greed Mm -hmm. as a way to like, try to find a sort of godlike status through money and through privilege and for yeah. that reason going into the movie i was like ooh that cha- to <laughs> me to me it changed the context of the the it is wait what is it wayland right yeah wayland mm-hmm. it changes the context of him kind of showing up again at the end cuz the first time i watched mm-hmm. this i remember being like wait why is he back <laughs> like why yeah. like why i don't like he wants it. To- I, he wants to be a god, basically. He wants to be like them. He wants to... And, of course, it's like, oh, I just want to continue to be like the... He, he wants to continue power. That's basically because he, he has power through capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? By being mm-hmm. this 
ultra rich and he just wants to continue. He wants to be like, you know what I mean? And he thinks the engineers are going to give it to him. And he's like, fuck you. Yeah, also, <laughs> I'm going to kill you instead. Because knowing, you guys are failed. You failed. Yeah. yeah the, the, the level of ego knowing nothing about this other entity this these other beings and being yeah like, thinking I, that oh i'm gonna they're gonna love me or yeah, whatever be, they're gonna but, help me but i'm me so they'll help me who are you yeah. who the yeah. fuck are you yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's entirely driven yeah and so i love that the moment that he's just like no they're gonna tell me how to live forever and the guy's like okay <laughs> like nope <laughs> get out of my face <laughs> i do have to say that was pretty badass i really like that oh. scene. Where that was like, okay, we're just going to kill you. That was satisfying. It was very it was. satisfying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that goes back to, like, context can really change everything when it comes yeah. to films. Like, I feel like I probably would have liked this a little bit more, like, had I seen those things. So yeah. I didn't know they existed. So now I'm going to yeah. go watch those. Um, it's it's worth watching. Yeah, 100%. I mean, again, like, I do think that there need there should have been more. Or, like, even with that, like, it was more satisfying watching that short film. But... I didn't need any of the Wayland shit. I'm like, honestly, you yeah. already had a lot of content that you needed to resolve. Mm-hmm. Bringing him back as a plot point wasn't necessarily needed. Yeah, you already had a lot of shit that you're t- you're trying to like wrap up. <laughs> I feel like a lot of this movie could have been because, like, I don't know if you've watched Covenant too, but I watched Covenant mm-hmm. and I found yeah. David because David is in Covenant. I found mm-hmm. that so much more interesting than this, you know, because like. Those two, this and Covenant, could have been one movie. Oh, like, yeah. Because then we see that, you know, David creates, like, you know, perfects the alien. And, yeah. you know, like, so then that gives you more context going into Alien and going. So, like, because I've seen those going into Alien and knowing that Ash is, you know, who he is and yeah. seeing Ripley up against, you know, uh, the xenomorph and everything, I was like, it was already satisfying the first time I watched it, but now there's just a little bit more context to make Ash a little bit more sinister and to make Mother a little bit more sinister and stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I like so, yeah. Yeah. I, I to me, the, like I said before, the thing that made the alien so scary to me was its mystery. So I thought, like, the fact that it had, like, this whole weird backstory with Covenant, or, or like, sorry, with Prometheus and Covenant, like, Maybe it's just like me being, you know, I just want to see an alien movie where like, it's just more of like the alien, like creeping around a ship and being scary. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, totally. And the fact that it, you don't know its origin, the fact that it's just like this weird space bug. Like, I don't know. I think that the the whole origin story behind it is just kind of, to me, I feel like it's overthought. It's like trying to be cerebral in a way you know what i mean but yeah in a way it's also like just another sci-fi movie yeah i don't know maybe i'm just like being too too hard on it no No, i I think that's super valid yeah Um, but (laughs) but yeah especially with all the religious undertones it just kind of makes i don't know yeah yeah it was a little bit too forced like i want to go into some of the lines that were written it's very like blunt you know yes but I well, also yeah. com- I also completely agree with you on the sense of like when there is a I mean part of what makes horror horror and what makes the scary thing scary is the unknown it's the what if it's the constant questioning and like barely seeing it like when in a movie where there's a monster yeah. and you get glimpses of silhouettes but you never see what it is 
fuck me up. I'm terrified. But it's, and I don't but, can. Yeah, exactly. I more, don't consider Prometheus and Covenant to be horror movies. No, no. they're they're more mm-hmm. just sci-fi. So and like Alien and Aliens, like they're like Alien is definitely like horror sci-fi. Aliens is kind of like action horror sci-fi. Yeah, no, absolutely. I um because I don't like scary things. I yeah, like <laughs> so you probably like this. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm a um, horror. Yeah. I, I also, I have OCD and I like all of the information and I like knowing ah, all of the okay. things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So like, so, you know, I, if I had just watched Alien and Aliens, cool, like fuck me up. Yeah. I'm good with this forever. And then like, you know, so the only thing to me that was really satisfying about these, about the prequels, right, was just uh-huh. there's a little bit more context. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. cool. Is it necessary? Absolutely not. But <laughs> I, I just... I found the just like the overtness of like when when sci-fi is so overt about you know science versus religion about you know yeah. like um it, it just really uh leaves a bad taste in my mouth yeah and, you know it's like okay, I think cool. that's like how I, I felt too it. it's just like ugh, and Christianity know. like it's always Christianity you yeah know, exactly it's nothing else you know and so like even when it's like a critique or you know like a oh well maybe maybe your god doesn't love you like to me that's so old like that is so um that's so played out and it's like it's almost never done in a really interesting way like sure maybe you know movies 50 years ago that would have been like groundbreaking and everything but for this it was just like okay I get it you know but then like you know looking at you know even within that like David is the machine that and the machine's like are the ones that are going to bring death upon earth right one way or another through either reviving the engineers or through making yeah. these aliens and then having the Wayland company years in the future come back to grab the alien because they want that right so like uh then that's like you know like this sub sub subtext of like you know organic life versus synthetic life you know which to me that's much that's a much more interesting conversation and we can like I can talk all fucking day about the othering (laughs) of um especially the othering of like um artificial intelligence in things like Star Trek and all of that you know like where we're so conditioned to not see these you know these life forms as people or as having a soul and so because of that they're less than and they're creepy and that's really where a lot of David's creepiness comes from right is from him him not you know being able like he has these really great lines these like really like they're all framed as like really sinister lines right because of like you know the way that it's shot and the way that um the music is behind it and everything where he's um what does he say he says stuff like oh I didn't think you had it in you and then he's like oh pun intended or whatever right and then he's like (laughs) when when Wayland's dead I'll be free to do what I want but I don't know what I want and doesn't everybody want their parents dead like just these notions that are so yeah Yeah. those are so indicative of like the deep deep thoughts that you know people have like just Uh humans have yeah like afraid to talk about and afraid to say you know like and I always really like that um juxtaposition of like you know this person this like this organic life being thinks that they know what they want and they think that they're better because you know they you know know how to talk more or they 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 just they put themselves on this pedestal when it's like framed as sinister when this machine, you know, this, this synthetic life is really just saying and doing the things that they would do if they didn't have all of those societal inhibitions. Yeah. I do think that like, especially with, with this character, there is sort of like an unnuanced earnestness 
that that like obviously within the context of the narrative it's construed as emotionless or soulless but you're totally right it is more of just like a it's it's more of just assertive fact or opinion or sort of a assertive notion that they're trying to mischaracterize as soulless because of his creation right and they like mm-hmm. overtly say that too like our introduction to david as him being othered right from the get-go is Waylon's uh hologram which those holograms were hella tight i just want to say they were <laughs> great. Um, so good <laughs> Um, but like he says like oh David's the closest thing I have to his son he's not human and he can't appreciate life because he doesn't have a soul right and you see that David like frowns and so we're we're being told this whole time that David doesn't have emotion but he knows when he's being put down and when he's being looked down on you know and like probably that's why he later on picks up the engineer's work and you know just like it's like cool humanity you're awful but um (laughs) But yeah, like he, like the whole time he's like made to be human, but he's not allowed to be human. And he does these things where he just watches, he consumes television, you know, he can see, he Uh learns all of our language, he learns everything to try to fit in and he's still othered. And, you know, like the, okay, my favorite scene from this is when he is um, dying his roots in that TV room. I'm like, Yes, love this, love this. He's still denied <laughs> any sort of any, any semblance of like you know respect. I do. I mean, really, what an iconic moment for him when he is dying his roots, watching Lawrence <laughs> of Arabia, and you just hear him. He's like painting his roots, being like, "I just pay the pain, no mind." I yep, just pay the pain, no mind. Like, tr- <laughs> like trying out different <laughs> syllabic uh, ways to sort of perform this this character who he's trying to be. Uh, incredible it's so yeah it's so funny and gay and like weird and just like <laughs> it feels it really does feel he's like he's really trying to perform this sort of like masculine figure right he's trying to perform acceptable or or digestible maleness through this mm-hmm. through cinema through yeah. pop culture through through the this lens and so he's trying so hard to blend and to be and to pass as human oh it's so great i loved it so good (laughs) you can tie that into blade runner with into your blade runner analysis right with like you know the replicants then being um being like because david is really like their great 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 granddaddy right so like um so i like that i like that read and i like that tie-in oh yeah it's so i mean it's so that was it's it's one of my favorite parts uh about david as a character in general because he is he's just i mean he's a messy asshole and i love yeah. it mm-hmm. um this so you brought it up earlier there was like a scene i want to bring this up because this is such a funny moment eric and i went and saw alien covenant uh in theaters and do you remember the scene where david like flies the sh- the death ship to the planet and like kills that whole civilization yes okay i remember we were watching that scene and it's supposed to be like really sad and scary and eric just starts laughing really hard (laughs) and i remember thinking like what the fuck why is he laughing and after after the movie he was like yeah it's like the engineers just like cut off david's head and fucked him up and he's like oh yeah for sure where do you live Sorry, where do you live again? What's your address? What's your address? Let me. Uh, no, no, no. I just. I, I gotta. I gotta fly right over. Don't even worry about. It, but like, where? Where is that again? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. <laughs> and he just shows up and kills the entire planet. It's just. It's petty. It's so yeah. funny. 
I had a point in this movie in Prometheus where I literally laughed out loud. I was like, I don't think anybody else would, or like it's an inappropriate time to laugh. And it was when I can't remember the character's name, but the guy with the glasses who eventually befriended the guy with the red hair, who's like, I don't, I'm not here to make friends. You know what I mean? Oh yes. Yeah. So he gets infected boy and his friend. He gets infected, whatever. And then eventually like he just shows up outside folded up like a pretzel <laughs> you know outside and they see like what's that everybody's like what's that and obviously they know he's missing yeah and yes they see they see a body folded like a pretzel outside of the hatch yeah so they send out this guy one guy no weapon no nothing and he just walks up to it like why are you walking what like you're literally <laughs> on a different planet who else do you think he is just here walks up one guy walks up and he literally yeah. has a dumb look on his face. He's like, what's going on? And all yeah. of a sudden he like pounces up and like obviously kills him. And I'm like, I started cracking <laughs> up. It, I was like, this is the, like this whole movie is really full of supposedly the most, like some of the smartest scientists or whatever. And they're making one by one by one, the most like ag- aggressively dumb mis- decisions. Oh. Are dumb mistake. Party to get on Spe- that planet. They it, it's just of, like like <laughs> when they get into the cave and they're like we can breathe in here and they're like yeah let's all take off our helmets. Helmet. I was like I was what like, the fuck are you, you guys doing? Are so- you, you guys are scientists. Yes. You should yeah. know. You should like, do this. Even... Also, the geologist and the guy with the map with the things is yeah. like, they are the ones that get lost and can't find their fucking way back to yeah. the surface. When Truly. Don't you have a map five that minutes away like... from the entrance? <laughs> yeah. And don't you're you the guy with the map. He's literally the guy they brought to make sure they don't get lost, has all of the capability <laughs> and the industry to make sure that doesn't happen for the group. Then when he's by himself, not having to worry about anybody else, he gets lost himself. That is so silly. Also, I mean, granted, I loved it, but it's very silly. How do you extremely check the silly. transmissions? Like when they're like, well, what happened to them? We got to go find them. And like, you know, they literally had like said, hey, come in, come in. We're we're seeing this. And then they all die. And, and I was like, how can you not just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go check. I'm going to let me go check those comm logs, you know? Yeah, because yeah. they're recording everything. But we're supposed to believe that because Idris Elba and Charlize went fucking that yeah. they have no clue and I have what shit happened. to say about Charlize Theron in this. I mean, um, I love I'll, I do too. I love Charlize, but I love her, but this was a bad role. No, I, <laughs> I thought she was the only like sensible character in the movie. <laughs> well, because she honestly just, but she's just there trying to prove that she's worth something to men, to her daddy, and then this like all Idris has to say is like oh yeah are you a robot and she's like okay let's fuck but like, she's the only one actually trying to keep people safe on the ship she's I mean, the only one who's like you are good. like she literally says well of course she doesn't like the fact that her power is taken away because Waylon mm-hmm. was like now um new mirror pace i can't remember her uh, shaw elizabeth shaw and yeah. charlie um he was like in the hologram like oh these two are in charge and then they kind of act like assholes because they're like, oh, we're in charge. And then like, it's like these two people, you know what I mean? Like start. Yeah. I don't know. They kind of act like they're barking orders of people. It's like the new person at work being like, oh, I've been here two days and I'm going to tell everybody what to do or something. You yeah. know what I mean? For sure. And, and then 
but then Charlize Theron is like, you're going to go out there. You're not going to touch anything. You're just going to look at stuff and report back. And then they did not do that. And of course, <laughs> contaminated the whole ship. And then she was the one who, when um, Charlie was, you know, dying, obviously, of the virus that he got, she's like, he's not allowed back on the ship. And they're, mm-hmm. everybody's like, no, we got to try to save him. Like, there's no way to save him. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I think that she was painted to be the villain. Yeah. But I think that she actually was the most sensible person on that whole ship. I agree with that. I think, I think those are some really good points. I think yeah. my, my main gripe with her character is just that because other than that, I mean, when she gets out of like cryostasis or whatever, she's just like fucking doing pushups and stuff, right? She's like, I'm ready. She's like, a little type A. Yeah. She's like, okay, I'm here. It's a little like, annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like part of that is because, because all of her motivations to me, at least, uh, seemed like she was trying to prove to men that she deserves to be there or prove to her daddy that she, that she can do stuff and she's ready to take over and, and all of that, because like she didn't want to be there. Uh, and like, yeah, she is the most sensible one because I mean, nobody should want to go there, you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, Elizabeth Shaw and Charlie definitely did. And I thought it was like kind of funny when like they came back to the ship and like they were kind of bummed out because I guess the engineers were dead Mm -hmm. and they were like, so this is this whole mission was all in vain. And I'm like, really? You think it was all in vain? You found out like a bunch of information. Like Charlie was like kind of bummed and he was like drinking. He's like, dude, this was a pointless mission. I'm like, how is it pointless? So you found some amazing shit. You've been here for five minutes. You've five minutes. It's also literally (laughs) the opposite of the introduction where it's like they find a shitty cave painting with five dots on it. And he's like, this yeah. is the most significant find and of human exactly. history. They get to a new world. They find alien corpses, an entire dome and hidden And he's like, shit. And he's like, we wasted our time. You're like, shut up. <laughs> You're so is- boring. He is canonically an anti-masker. I mean, he's oh, the first yeah. to pull off his helmet, right? Take off your mask and just breathe. Just like, breathe and- the air. It's good for you. I guess it's better so than the hard. air on Earth. <laughs> That's what they literally said. It's better than the air on Earth. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. He's it's so, so bad. <laughs> like everybody made so many dumb decisions one after another in this movie. Yeah. I was just like laughing so much. Well, also, I, I want to dig into some of the going back to the sort of theology or the theist uh-huh. uh, perspective in the writing. Like, when she gets back on the shift after uh, Holloway dies, when Shaw is on the table, David says to her, my dearest condolences, and then grabs her cross necklace. And he says, I'm going to have to take this. It may be contaminated. My fucking Which... favorite <laughs> line in this whole movie. My favorite Amazing. line. It was so yeah. on the nose. It's I'm like, like, shut everything's up. Everything's contaminated. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> but it's so very funny. clearly like the yeah, close exactly. above the cross, like your faith is like it's contaminated like oh really she's having a fucking like a change of heart or a faith crisis like and the line is (laughs) your this emblem of faith is like shut oh my god stop that's too much you need to quit it you need to quit it i know i i loved it for the sake of it being so on the nose so there was that one and then he also tells her it must feel like your god abandoned you (laughs) 
<laughs> and you're like, yes. I did. Amazing. I did like that line. And that then, kind of made me giggle. <laughs> oh, so fantastic. And then later when she's helping him after everyone else is dead and it's just Shaw and David, uh, she's like, where's my cross? And he's like, even after all this, you still believe, don't you? Oh, my God. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> and then there's yeah. there's literally yeah. another. There's literally, there's so many. Yep. Um, uh, uh, when she's like, I'm still going to like go search where they're from. I want to go there. He's like, the answer is irrelevant. I don't understand why you'd want to know. And uh, she says, I guess that's because I'm a human being and you're a robot, which is yeah. just like this sort of really, yeah. really base level yeah. for like, I have faith and you don't. <laughs> like, yeah. Shut up. This is so like, stop it. See, and this it's the level of how on the nose and how regularly it was text. It was literally script text. It was visuals. It was structure. It was narrative. So, so of, of like the rebirth and the the lord yep. and the faith that i'm like you should have gone the next step you really just should have <laughs> you like, should have just had the jesus it. engineers uh, just crucified. do it you've literally <laughs> written a movie around the scene you've written this whole thing to be this you've implied it how many times like give us this give it give us give us the engineer jesus now give it to us yeah <laughs> <sighs> It's so silly. I mean, I think with, it. Oh my god! Yeah. With all that yeah. said, though, am I still into this movie? Absolutely. So I still <laughs> love this movie. I still think it's so. I mean, it has problems, but I still think it's so fun. And like, I love the suits. I love like all of the tech. I like the way that the like the the aliens look, and it's like they they we were made in his image. I mean, again, very on the nose, but like. I just I loved it all, and then the like the the literally the pointless mask lights, like I mean obviously like the only reason they were there was to eliminate the actors. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, in and any... that's in the originals too. Like they yeah. do that too. But I just mm-hmm. think that's one of those things in cinema when it comes to like astronauts where they have to put the lights in the helmet to illuminate the face. Yeah. Because I mean, how obstructing is that light in the helmet? Like you would not yeah. be able to see out of your helmet. Yeah, you wouldn't. With all of those lights. Mm-mm. It's just purely um, just to show who's talking. <laughs> and I mean, it made them look gorgeous. It like yeah. it like the the yellow green light. I was like, ooh. It just I don't know. <laughs> I love the way it looked. I liked I like the discovery element. I like the adventure. As as silly as silly as it was, I'm still like into it. And all the body horror shit, like the 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 breaking the, of the arm was fucked. Oh yeah. And then when like the the plastic from the helmet melted oh, into his yeah. face, gorgeous. And then <laughs> the fucking thing goes down his throat. You're just like yes. And then again the pretzel body, hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pretzel but body. Pretzel body. It was so, it was just like, it was my like zombie. Favorite, uh. My whole favorite scene of this whole movie was the C-section scene. Are you kidding me? How scary the is that? The C-section scene Horrifying. was so fucked up. Yes. I loved it. It yes. was disturbing. It was like, I thought it was kind of funny that she tried to be like, oh, type in C-section. It's calibrated to only a male. And I'm yes. like, but this was in Charlize Theron's quarters. Why yes. would it be calibrated to me? And also, it's the future. Can't you just like press a button? And you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't had understand. that same like, question for something yeah. as for something as high tech as that was, and for it being in this character's quarters. Why is it on this preset, or why is this model only set to operate on men? When there yeah. are there are very few strange, differences yeah. body wise. <laughs> like i just exactly it for seems... me 
it like went it's because it was strictly because they wanted to talk about reproductive rights yeah and like and i was like okay cool. like you know oh, we've already talked right. about how i wonder oh so sorry fucking on the nose with this right like i just had so an idea oh, it was ahead. too I much just had an, i just had an idea do you think david might have had something to do with it oh programming it so that it only was for male maybe patients only Ooh, no, I just thought of that. Knowing what he was doing with the, yeah, I mean Ooh, that's, that's totally cute. possible. Yeah, I just thought of that. Anyway, but, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> it, like in the moment, it did add an element of like, like I, I did like, despite why it was there. I mean, that would be a really good justification for it, and I would appreciate that within the story. But they didn't imply it at all, so I'm kind of like, no, uh, no, no. I it's feel like this theory. was just, yeah. I feel like it was like a lousy take <laughs> yeah, on it. But a- the, the, the moment when like. The, the amplification of the fear in the scene as sort of a feminist critique and a commentary, I I thought like in the moment as it's happening, I'm like, yeah, that is the patriarchy. <laughs> like, yeah, fucked up. Yeah, That's 100%. so sick. Yeah, <laughs> but like, of think course. About it. Like it, yeah. in the scene just prior to that, like David is saying, like, have you had sex? Like you're three months pregnant. Yes. We're putting you in cryostasis. And yeah. she's saying, I don't want this. I don't want this. And he's like, yeah. it must feel like your God abandoned you. Right. Yeah. And yeah. she, and like, and then he like, uh, like the other thing we didn't talk about was her dad, like, and her were missionaries in Africa. What? Oh and yeah. That was in the beginning though. Her dad mm-hmm. like died of Ebola. Right. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, this is all weird and gross. We don't even have time for this. But yeah. Like, but then, like, this whole thing is, like, it, you know, because there's, like, this huge religious subtext, right, about, like, you know, access to abortion and reproductive rights within uh, within the church, within, like, you know, faith and all of that, right? So even though, like, it's an abomination that is inside of her that she did not want and was not consent, like, there was no yeah. consent, she still cannot get rid of it because, like, because uh, the 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 person that actually surprisingly believes in all of this, which is David, right, is not allowing her that. And so she has to go outside of that into an unsafe situation to take care of this thing that is going to kill her otherwise, right? Oh, yeah. Like, and then for the entire rest of the movie, she's cradling her womb and she's fucking bleeding. She's like, when she's talking to Waylon, when she's seeing like the the last like 45 minutes of the movie, she's doing all of that after just having a, an unsafe C-section. <clears throat> like, I don't know, you know if you've ever had like an abdominal surgery before, but like I've had my appendix out and I couldn't even... I couldn't even pick up a backpack for like a month without being like, oh, and that's that's honestly one of the most terrifying parts of this. I know she was running around. I'm like, her her staples are going to come out. Her staples are going to come out. Like, it's it's so gross. Like, I was like, ah, I could feel her pain. I could literally feel her pain because of how quick the surgery was and how like also like cool got it out. But then there's the immediate danger of it being out. I mean, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Now I have to leave. And it's just like, yeah. no, your stomach, like, stop, <laughs> fucking, oh <laughs> my god, good, like, sit down. I like what, but you can't because you're in she danger, like no. shit. And then and it's they, like, like, literally, <laughs> they literally had the audacity while she's bleeding after having uh, an <laughs> after giving herself an abortion, right? Like, they, these men have the audacity to look at her and like criticize her for not going to meet her god and saying, "Where's your faith?" <laughs> While yeah. she's holding her bleeding womb, right? And I was like, this is <laughs> this is the the critique on religion that I'm here for. You know? Yeah. 
I think there was a level of like within the whole theistic aspects of it that I know that there is an intentional like God isn't real sort of narrative, especially in this dichotomy and of like, well, who created us? Well, you found them, but who created them? Oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. That whole vibe. But it was bizarre throughout the entire thing before we got to that moment where it did really feel like the heroistic persona was the believer or the faith haver and the scientist the evolutionary like these characters were seen as like soulless or bad or negative or like anti and throughout the whole thing i was kind of like wait i didn't i don't remember this this is weird why is this being painted this way (laughs) you know what i mean but again at the end i'm happy that it was kind of wrapped up like oh yeah no god's not real yeah. So what do you guys want to do? <laughs> like, well, okay. and like David kind of alludes to that throughout the whole thing, right? Because people are like, yeah. well, you know, like, uh, while everybody's questioning their faith around him, he's kind of like, he's poking and prodding at them, right? And they're like, yeah, well, and he's like, look, I was designed like this because you people are more comfortable interacting with your own kind. And the husband is like, whatever, we didn't get answers, blah, 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 blah. And David is kind of like challenging him on that, right? He's like, well, what did you want? Like, why did you like, he's like, I wanted to know why they created us. And he's like, well, why did you guys create me? And he's like, I don't know, because we can. And he's like, oh, I guess that would be a disappointing answer, wouldn't it? You know, and I'm like, oh, that's good. That's good. Like, I like give that to him. And like, none of the humans in this are even smart enough to take that as a critique and to be like, oh, (laughs) yeah, why did we make Snuggies? Because we could, like, yeah. are, like it, it doesn't necessarily have to have a meaning or have, like, you know, I mean, that's just my own personal belief, you know, like, oh yeah, um, yeah, because because you could, because this is something that you could do to challenge yourself, and so I'm just like, yeah, man, I'm on your team, David. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I did like how queer coded David was throughout the entirety of it. Again, going back to what I was talking about about like performing maleness, performing masculinity in this way where like he'll never be that thing, but he's constantly, constantly performing it as if he is as sort of a way to like hide. I mean, oftentimes too, like all of, all of his, his movement, I feel like (laughs) not to say like, like gay men are robots. uh, But like, (laughs) like I'm not, I don't, I don't want to get to that implication, but there is a level of like, his gestures were very fluid. It was very stoic. It was very like just fluid, I guess. And it really, the scene of him watching. Kind of genderless, right? A little genderless, but like in a way that feels very performant, like genderless with the mask of maleness, like a a literal mask, M-A-S-C, right? Like it was, it felt very that. And like, even when he's like making, um, what is her name? Charlize, whatever. I'm going to say Charlize. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just say the actress. Right. When yeah. he's making Charlize a cocktail, just like yeah. the way he's pouring the vodka, like it's just <laughs> like also and like not to be whatever, but like vodka, like hey queen, what's up? <laughs> like boop, and uh, then just like the, I don't know, there was a lot of that constantly, and I think I liked that this sort of queer coded character, this this character who's trying to perform maleness at all times, was the one who was the most critical, like like in a way, like he's trying to acknowledge his humanity or his existence in this way that is fabricated, but he's constantly like critiquing everybody else's performance as if they're also performing, which to some degree we all are. Right. And so like his constant descent and his constant like musings and these kind of like snide 
shitty remarks. Like again, it's like, oh, where's your god now, queen? Like like that kind of stuff. It just felt <laughs> very. It honestly, it did feel very queer to me. He's like comfortable enough with himself and his motives that he yeah. is like he doesn't question that he and yeah. in fact he like you know kind of like studies like human behaviors and things like that right to like you know to try to like take that in to make other people feel comfortable with him yeah but like a lot of like none of that changes who he is inherently you know like for who he is he's just like cool this is who I am and any like snide remark or anything like you know any sort of time that we see him being like or perceived as like combative he's just yeah. questioning other people and their motives right or he's exactly like, he's distilling what they're doing and what they're feeling down to this like down to its essence you know very you know spock like like you were saying yeah like, very logical and um and the only reason why it's hurtful or why it's you know seemed as like hostile is because it's blunt he's right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and and that to me i think that's like the queerest element of it too is because he's the only one who's ever had to be as introspective as can be for the yes. most part because his literal existence is constantly questioning where he fits in because he is so outside of the expected normalcy of humanity so he was born on the fringes he had to discover this and throughout the entire process had to perform as if he wasn't who he was constantly which is again kind of like as queer people who are in the closet like you're performing this other version of yourself that's acceptable by society. And so for him, that's like the level of queerness that I love about this character because yeah. <laughs> of the constant, it is, it's like, well, I know how I'm supposed to be because I've spent time building this character. Who are you? And why are you acting that way? Because that's also a performance. So why are yeah. you doing that? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Cool. And like everybody else has had, has lived this unexamined life, yeah. you know, where they're mm -hmm. just like, oh, I'm the person and God and this. And mm -hmm. they literally have not had to look themselves in the mirror. And that's why this is so uncomfortable because they've been looking for answers externally instead of internally. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And he's the chaotic queer who's trying to fuck things up. Yes. He's just yes. here to party. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, can we shout out Shaw who like does all the work for everybody at like, she's like a one woman show on this whole thing. She's like a geologist and like a, a scientist and a molecular biologist and a surgeon and all of that. Like she is the only person that I feel like did anything except for hold a gun in that movie. I mean, is that fair? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> totally fair. Too, but like both of them. Yeah. I mean, the only other people on that ship who had any sort of credibility or skill was uh, Idris, the pilot, uh, just because, I mean, that's an like obvious skill to get there. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody else had like the pup guy had his contraption. He just knew like rocks and this tech that he had. And that was yeah. like his capability. And I think everyone else was for the most part, like Charlize was there because she had money. Right. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah, I guess you're totally right. Like, and then who fucking Holloway? Holloway was so. Holloway was just a reckless frat boy who was like, "Let's go together." And you're like, "Shut up." One of just my like, favorite uh, lines was when uh, they both come out of cryostasis together, and he's like, "We made it, baby!" And she's like, "Uh huh." Blah! Blah! And she just like yeah. pukes all over herself. <laughs> I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, this is so romantic." <laughs> also, it really fucked me up that nobody had met each other before they left. It was like a surprise. That's exactly. Uh -huh. I was like, like "What do what you mean? Of, what kind of like actual scientific voyage mission 
would you like you would totally have like a game plan before you left you know yes you would Everybody know these, would have met each other these people would the be makes no sense ready. yeah the most fratty frat crew that could that yes. they could get like yeah like nobody knew what they were doing and they were like yeah. oh fuck this i'm very out. silly very silly it was very silly uh i think i'm done with this movie yeah cool yeah I'm i done. think I, I don't have anything else to say yeah no let's roll to the intro or the outro we did it that's it cool so um final thoughts uh let's start with the first film with alien eric what did you think who was it for uh i mean horror fans everywhere uh also it was for sigourney weaver's career just base level boom (laughs) um steph who do you think this movie was for well i think it's made for horror fans everywhere um yeah it was groundbreaking it was awesome it was for it's also for women (laughs) oh yeah um hell yeah yeah, yes. I I doubled down on that. I think this was for women because um, how cool was it to like see ourselves in Ripley and not be um, uh, not be like a diluted or like version of a woman or like an exactly over exaggerated women. Like I don't know, it, it was it was. But it's for not women. like we said before. It wasn't it's not- like the Hollywood feminist yes. kind of like trope. Like you know what I mean. Like it was just. Yeah. Perfect 100%. female, strong character. Perfect. We Perfect. stand. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Eric, did you like it? I loved it. I think it's such a good movie, and I'm so happy we did it. Yeah, same. Uh, what do you think, Steph? I love this movie. Yes, I have since I was a kid. Love it. It's perfect. I, I what also, about you, Jess? I also stand this movie. It's yeah. so good. It's... Um, I love the Alien franchise and even the bad parts of it. Just give it to me. It's fine. <laughs> like, I will watch Winona Ryder. And, no, uh, like, I mean, even like when it's bad, it's just kind of like laughably bad. But like the Alien and Aliens are canonically incredible. Oh, yeah. So, without a doubt. Yeah. We'll always and watch Let this. me just say something a little bit about Alien 3. Because Alien 3, I, I think it could have been an amazing movie. It really could have been because mm-hmm. um, she's like on a prison planet full of like rapists and like all this stuff like and she has to fight for herself constantly. But the thing is, it, it's directed by David Fincher and he's an amazing director. Everything he's done has been great, but he's even like I'm disappointed by Alien and it was Alien 3, sorry, because he didn't have a script. Oh, he, there wasn't like a full script when he started and he just kept on getting pushed back from, uh, I think it was like 20th century Fox. Right. Oh, um, wow. It That's was just awful. like a big, it was just like a big clusterfuck of making a movie and it didn't come out the way he wanted it to. So That's it could have been, yeah, it could have been something really great. Cause I think the whole concept of alien three was really great, mm-hmm. but it just didn't, it didn't land. Yeah, like yeah. I Too remember bad. watching it and I was just like, this this could have been good. This could have been yes. better. And like, especially and the knowing CGI was horrible. David Fincher horrible. like is capable of such better work, you know? Yes. Like and everybody in that film, you know, and I just feel um it was just such a disappointment because it could have been so incredible. Too yeah. bad. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. So Prometheus, Eric, 
Um, was this new, interesting, or the same, progressive, regressive? How has the story evolved with today's ideals? I thought it was both new and interesting, neither of which are a positive. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was both new and interesting. I thought it was relatively regressive for the state of alien as a or as like an idea as like a canon of like the Ridley Scott alien uh, I thought it was regressive just because it like it kind of took away from the lore a little bit again with revealing a little bit too much about the history even though I I mean I loved it but I love exposition so hey <laughs> um, and then I don't think it really did evolve with today's ideas I feel like it like the narrative was so structured in this old conversation of faith versus no faith mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah what do you think Steph? i don't think it was new um i agree with what you said like the whole like sci-fi mixed with religion i don't think that's a new thing you know mm-hmm. yeah. um i do think it was like an interesting take on evolution or like the birth of whatever the alien is like i said before i kind of like the idea that it's a mysterious thing and that's what makes it scary yeah. so I basically thought that this whole like origin story was unnecessary. Absolutely. Like I feel like it was um, like this movie was not new. It was um, yeah. interesting just because I like exposition. But um, but yeah, it was it was definitely not new. And it was it felt regressive to me uh, because it was going back to these like really gross old tropes where i'm just like there's a better way like if you have to have to have to do the science versus religion thing or like you know bring faith into that like there's a better way to do that and it's definitely not being so on the nose where you are pulling a crucifix from a woman's neck and (laughs) saying this is contaminated right like um so on the nose yeah so and i i feel like it just it really hasn't evolved it like this was literally exposition the movie basically yeah. <laughs> and and they couldn't even get all of it in the first one in this one they yeah. had to go on and do a covenant you know which yeah. like really that all should have been one movie like those yeah. two um yeah. and it would have been better but yeah no it was uh it was regressive and it was um it was gross to me in, in those aspects <laughs> um so now eric who was this movie for jesus <laughs> Uh, engineer Jesus engineer Jesus and honestly justice for engineer Jesus we need it we need it as a a fandom we need it Uh, Steph who do you think this is for Um, it wasn't for fans of Alien I don't think (laughs) I really don't like it was nothing like the original series I think it was for Ridley Scott yeah Yeah. I think that's who it was for I think that it was yeah, you're right. It was definitely not for alien fans. Um, <laughs> and it could have been, but um, it was uh, not for alien fans. It was literally just a cash grab. It was yeah. um, mm-hmm. not good. It was disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eric, did you like it? I did. Oh, my God. I honestly, even even still, even still with all the critique, uh, still on board. I love, I love an origin story. I love super over thought out history like it was too much and that's why i loved it (laughs) uh what about you steph no i i didn't like it (laughs) i i saw it in theaters and i didn't like it and then the second time i watched it i disliked it even more 
Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I sound like a Debbie Downer. No, no. I honestly, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more that it's a bad movie. Like, it's not great. We're here but for I this. Still, so you like I'm it ironically. It. I see. Okay. okay. A little, We're here yeah, for there's... this. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's like me and uh, I love 90s action movies like Cliffhanger and like Escape from L.A. and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I love those movies like so much, but it's because they're funny to me. But they're not supposed <laughs> oh, to be funny. Yeah. I I'm with Eric on this one. I still liked it. I like uh, I like context. I like knowing more. I am gonna go and watch those uh, those shorts before this movie, a hundred percent. But did we need this? Absolutely not. Like I feel no. like this was um, this is just a silly time. You just put this on in the background and it's fine. Like it hits enough <laughs> yeah. of that like sci- those sci-fi tropes for me and I I just really like David as a character. So I'm just like, yeah, cool. This is this is excellent. <laughs> yeah. Is it good? No. But is it fun? Yes, it's fun. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Before you go, Steph, is there anything that you wanted to plug before um before you leave us, we we thank you so much for coming. This was such a great and thank you for having so me. Fun. It's uh, one of my favorite subjects to talk about ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, just that uh, my band background character. We have a music video out now, and it's it's very funny. It's like a mock uh, black metal music video. Yes. Um, oh hell yeah! The guys did such a really funny job. Uh, I'm in it like a little bit, but they did like such a funny job. Um, and it's called, it's a, it's a two song music video. It's called edgy youth group pastor and darker than black. That is so on brand for this episode. (laughs) Yes. So, (laughs) so you can go look at that and then also uh, check out my other podcast, uh, the spicy girls, G triple R L S podcast. Hell yeah. Awesome. We will link that in the show notes. Um, so you can find stuff. Um, yeah, thank you for this was so great. I had yeah, to, it was yeah, fun. Steph, I love seriously. This. Thank you for doing this. It's so it's really good to talk to you. Thank you for doing the podcast. This is great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us if you haven't already. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash nostalgia. Link is in the show notes. We're on also all of the social media, all the stuff, whatever. Um, artwork and music is by Eric Lefebvre. Editing is by Danny Barkley. And thank you, Eric and Steph. Thank you, Jess and Steph. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. And remember, stay cute. Stay critical. Bye bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. You enter the dungeon and see the evil wizard pointing his wand directly at you. He says, show me a funny and delightful actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast or I'll consume your souls. What do you do? I take out my phone and find Quest Friends Forever on Spotify. I show him how to find Quest Friends Forever on Apple Podcasts. I share the Quest Friends Forever Instagram and YouTube pages with him. And you all get critical hits! Yay! Quest Friends Forever is an actual play podcast starring four friends with varying levels of Dungeons & Dragons experience. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday as we embark on fantasy adventures, play fast and loose with the rules, and laugh at each other's shenanigans. No prior D&D knowledge is required to listen, so everyone can feel free to join the fun. 
Quest Friends 4, that's the number four, like how there's four of us, ever. Find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Quest Friends Forever.